Let's open our Bibles in Matthew. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And we are going to focus in the last part of the story of the rich young man. Uh, you probably heard about the story. We probably, you heard the story maybe here. But I want to focus on the last part of the story. And even so that I'm going to focus on the last part of the story, we are going to read everything else. So we understand a little bit more what, what the last part of the story is saying. As you know, the title for the sermon today is... Yeah, and somebody asked me that. One of the elders came, are you still confused? And they didn't get it. I was like, what are you talking about? The sermon. Oh, are you still confused? You know, and that's, and that's the title. Yes, are you still confused? Are you? Uh, in many ways, we get confused for many reasons. I'm going to tell you a story right now, something simple that happened to my wife and I and my family. Once we moved to Mexico, every time we, we drove all the way from here to Mexico, Montemorelos University, when we were studying there, uh, every summer we used to drive from here all the way there, like almost 72 hours just driving. Sometimes we don't stop. Sometimes you stop next, next to the truck, a truck driver, because he's safer. But then you get up in the morning, he's gone. You are all by yourself in the middle of the desert. You know, but we used to drive a lot. And the funny thing about all of that, well, nothing funny maybe, the funny thing about that is that every time we went that way and coming back, immigration always stopped us. I wonder why. They always, you know, we had this black suburban, black tinted windows. It was heavy loaded all the time. And every time we drove from here, we usually go uh, in, the, in the United States part, you know, section, because it's, fa I mean, it's faster and safer to drive on this side and then we get all the way to Texas, McAllen, Texas, and then we cross from there. It was just four hours away from there. So we drove every day, I mean, every time coming back, and, and they always stopped at least four or five times one way. And then coming back another four to five times, they stop us. We always see them there standing there, and when, when we drive in the middle of the night, we said, he's going to stop us. Yeah, after a few seconds, beep, can you please pull over? Fine, we pull over. Then they ask the same questions. Uh, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Are you, uh, are you American? Are you citizens? You know, you are, and then I said, yes, I am. My wife says, yes, you, you know, yes, I am. And every time she says, yes, I am, they look at her like, and then they start asking questions. Where you were born? Santa Barbara. What school you used to go? Uh, I went to UCR. And they kind of like wonder, you know. And he started looking at papers every time. Okay, just keep driving. Thank you. And then the next time the same, the next time the same. And it was one time, it was on the border, that this lady, it was a lady, we were crossing the border. Since then, we have this bad image of people, some people on the border who ask you for questions. She got really, really mad with, with us, especially with my wife. Because she was, I mean, answering the right questions, but she didn't believe she was an American citizen. And she was asking questions, said, why do you ask me so many questions? Why do you? She said something like, don't argue with me. You know, don't argue with me. I know you say you're an American citizen. I'm asking questions, and you better answer those questions. And she asked me one day, you know, what's the problem with these people? Then every time we get to Mexico, 
because we live there, she started looking for work, and she speaks Spanish very well. She speaks English very well. She like me English, like me, <coughs> right? You know, and she, she's really good speaking both languages. So over there, she was looking for a job within the university, and every time they ask a question, it's like, are you a Mexican citizen? No, I'm American. <coughs> you look Mexican to me. She's like, I'm American. I have my papers where you were born. They asked these two or three places the same question, kind of like they, they, they were not believing, if, I mean, that she was American citizen. She was born here. And the question was that for her was, I'm confused. When I come to the United States, I am not American, and they have problems for me saying I am American, you know, to believe that. And when I go to Mexico, they have problems telling, I mean, seeing me that I am Mexican also. What am I? I mean, come on. She was confused. I think sometimes we get confused about many things because some of the things that we do to try to help those rules or laws that we have, we just go into detail so much that they start looking at you. Are you American? How Americans usually look? You start asking questions. How do they look? Do they look any different? How do Mexicans look like? How, you know, you start asking questions. Why? And here we are going to read really fast, and then at the, at the last part we are going to stop a little bit more about a rich young man who, for me, he was confused. But more than that, the disciples were confused because they all tried to get it, but they just don't get it. So let's read the story really fast. Chapter 19, Matthew, verse 16, chapter 19. A rich young man. I'm going to go fast through this part all the way to number 25 when, when we are going to study a little bit more there. Let's see. We have time. Here we go. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And other versions and, and Mark, uh, Mark says that this man came and saying, You, good teacher, you are a good teacher. Well, it doesn't matter. He's saying, What good things must I do to get eternal lives? Since now, I mean, when you read that, you know that this person is going, I mean, is looking for something specific for him to do so he can get eternal life. And I think those are questions that many of us have sometimes. And as Adventists, we do have. What things must I do to get eternal life, to be saved? And we have many Christians who also ask the same questions. What are the things that I have to do in order to do this thing right? He has those questions. Jesus answered, verse number 17. Remember, he's asking, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? 17, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. Then he keeps saying, there is only one who is good. That's for everyone to remember. One who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. He's not saying, if you want eternal life, obey the commandments. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And when you look for a translation, when you go back to that, he's talking more like, if you want to have a good life here on this planet, obey the commandments. 
And then we all make mistakes here because we say, many people say, you see, we have to do that in order to be safe. I have to do that. Jesus Christ is very clever because he is God. He knows us inside out. So he answered the question, if you want to have a good life, obey the commandments. Really? What is the whole point of that, Pastor? Well, he keeps saying, uh, sorry, the rich young man. Which one? The man inquired because he still don't get it. He thinks it is the commandments that you need to keep in order to be saved. Just tell me which ones and I'm going to be saved. Jesus replied, verse number 18. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. What part of the commandments are those after five weeks of five Sabbaths reading about commandments? What part is this? This is the last part of the commandments. And Jesus is so clever. He's, he's taking this young man to the point that, okay, so you said that you want to know exactly what. Okay, let's start not by the first part of the commandments. Let's go to the back part, to the last part of the commandments. Why the last part of the commandments? As you know, as you remember that we were talking about the commandments, you need to know God, you need to know who he is, you need to have a relationship, you want to establish a relationship with him. That's the first part, big time. And right after that, when you understand that, everything else, the next part is going to happen. So he goes by the last part. So, are you doing this, 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 this? Guess what answer the young man gave. You know that, you know that you have it in your Bible. All these things, all these I have kept, the young man said, who, I mean, what do I still lack? Jesus, come on, give me something better. All of those things that you just mentioned, I do it since I was a little kid. Give me something better. But even that he was doing that, he asked the question. What is the last question? What, what? I'm sorry? What is there? What more is there that I'm still lacking? I'm not doing. Got to be something else that I'm not doing. Many people who study that passage, they mention that this man, he knew everything, but something was missing in his life. Because you can be doing everything you want. You can be keeping the Sabbath. You can be giving your tithes. You can be doing everything that a Christian does, but something is missing. And I'm not talking about people who live, we said, out there in the world, that they live crazy, and we said, something is missing. Yes, Jesus Christ is missing, we said. And they try to find Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about people like him who are in the church, and they said, I've been doing all of that, but something is missing. I'm lacking something. You probably know. What is it? Are you lacking something in your life? Do you keep all the commandments? Do you really follow everything as an Adventist so we can call you, you are a seven-day Adventist? Do you do all of those things so you can proudly say, I am a Christian because I do all of these things. But even so, something is missing. Let's keep reading. The Bible also said, uh, verse 20, when he said, all this I kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Something is missing. 
Verse 21, Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. We have a few things here that we need to talk. A few things because this is the beauty. Many people read, you see, you can be perfect if you do all of those things. Interesting. Because it's not saying for you to be perfect, you have to do all of those things. We have to read the whole passage, the whole verse again. Let me read it here. If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He was, let's put it this way. He was trying to guide this rich young man through the way, through some way that he can understand better what Jesus is saying. You are rich. You are looking for something good. You are looking to get into heaven, to get eternal life. Only people who get eternal life are those who can be and have a perfect life. You keep going that way, so I'm going to tell you something. Since that you want to be go that way, I want you to do something. Sell everything. Sell everything. And he's like, what? Sell everything. But once you sell everything because you are a rich man and you probably a rich man because you know how to invest, how to do things, you are going to get treasures in heaven. Isn't that a good thing? Don't you invest when you get money in order to, to get money. Many of these people that have money, they invest and then they get something in return. Jesus is following that pattern. Okay, so you say you want to get to heaven. Seems to be that you really want to be perfect. Go ahead. Do this and this. Sell it. Your treasures are not going to be here, by the way. You're not going to receive anything right away, okay? You're going to get it in heaven. And now, follow me. The Bible mentioned that this young man, this young man, according to the Bible, verse number 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Every time we preach about this part of this, uh, every time we preach about this story, we always go to the same part. We said, if you have richness, it's really difficult for you to be saved. That's what happened. You see that? But the story, when you start reading the way it's supposed to be, as we are reading, we realize by now that this rich young man didn't get the point. He didn't get the point. You know, the first test was, are you doing all these things with your neighbor and all of that? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all of that. Okay, since that only those things happen when you know the person of God. So now, are you willing to leave everything behind and follow me? Oh, that was the main idea. But this young man didn't get it. And the only thing he was thinking is, my things, if I invest those things, I'm going to get something in result. I mean, as a result, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to have eternal life. I know if I do things, I'm going to get something good out of that. 
Is that the way we follow Christ? Is that the way we keep the commandments? Is that the way we keep saying we are Christians because I do all these things and I get something in return? Are you doing things in this life? Are you doing things in this church so you can get something in return? That's a good question. Because I think our human nature is always to get something in return. That's the smart way to move around. Everybody else tries to get something in return. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not that you're not going to get something in return, I mean, rich young man. It's that you are going to get it, yes, but not now. You're going to get it later. So you have to wait. And because you have to wait, now you have to follow me when you are waiting. That doesn't sound right. I know it doesn't sound right. I have many things. I know you have many things. Sorry. Bye. What are you doing with your life? What am I doing with my life? How do we manage to live our Christian life? How do we manage to live those commandments? If God is not there, if God is not the relation, if you don't have the relationship that you need with God, those commandments don't mean anything. They are going to only mean the same way as he says. I did that all this time. What else is there? Something is missing. Because the missing part is the relationship that you need to have with your God. That's what it is. But then the story doesn't stop there. Ten more minutes. Doesn't stop there. Verse 22, I read again. When the young man heard this, the, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples. It's like he's turning away from him and now looking at his disciples. I tell you the truth. It's not a lie. This is the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when we read that part, we understand like, oh, wow, if I want to get into the, of, I mean, into the kingdom of heaven and it's so much, no, I better just be poor and just be, you know, just forget it. I don't want to have any of that richness because I want to get close to my God. But then how do you understand that? When you compare and you read in the Bible that God wants to bless you. Doesn't make any sense. Why does he want to give you all the money? And by the way, back in those days, they thought and they were thinking that if you have money, if you have possessions, it's because you are being blessed by God. You're doing something good that you are being blessed by God. So now, how do you put together that idea that God wants to give you everything? But then here, he says, rich people cannot going to get into rain, you know, and all of that. And how can you get that? I'm going to read it again. Verse 23. I tell you the truth. It is hard. It is difficult. It's not easy for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier. And that word changes the whole thing. 
Some Bibles change that word to another word. Some Bibles translate that word. And that's why, brothers and sisters, it's good sometimes to not only stick with one version of the Bible. It's like me saying, all Hispanic churches better stick with only Reina Valera. No. Don't stick with one version of the Bible. Look for other ones. Not every Bible has the right thing. Don't, I mean, not all of them has the right translation. And you have to keep looking and look the original. What is it? Try to just keep reading. That word, easier, doesn't really mean like it's easy, you know, for you to just get into the heaven, I mean, the kingdom. It means is. let me read again for you. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through. What he's saying is this. Again, I tell you, it is less work for you to use a camel and less work. You are going to work less. If you are rich and you have many things, you are going to work more. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to make it. We have plenty of examples in the Bible of people who were rich and they were following Jesus Christ. When you read easier, when you read something like, you know, when they give you the idea that having possessions is bad, that is going to take you away from God. It's not that. You are going to work more. You are going to work more. I'm going to work more. Let's put it this way. All of us are going to work more. And you're saying probably, Pastor, I'm not rich. <laughs> That's what you think. Compare yourself with other people in the world. Tell me you are not rich. And don't you work more to try to reach to that level of trying to have a relationship with God? At these days, because you have more in this country, what happened? We work more. We spend more time doing this. We spend more. We just do everything. It's harder for us to what? To reach the level that we need to reach in order to have that relationship with Christ. It's harder. We have people. Oh, Pastor, I'm sorry. I've been working so hard these last two, three weeks. It's harder. When you go back to the house after a day of work, you think you want to go and sit there. The, let's read and let's talk about my father. No. You're going to go and TV. And you know what happened many times? You're watching TV for 10, 5 minutes, whatever is important. You're like, even with the TV on, it is harder. It's more work. But that doesn't mean you cannot make it. That makes the huge difference. When I keep reading here, verse 24 again, again I tell you, it is easier for a camel. And by the way, some people think that the word wasn't camel. It was probably cable, thick rope, thick rope. Some people say, no, that, that, that's because the letters are so close, camel, cable, it doesn't matter. It's thick, big. How can you do that? It takes more work or maybe less work. You take a, I don't know, a, how can you take a camel? You have many ways. Really a small Come on, camel. You can do it now. I don't know. And it's easier because the camel is not going to tell you anything. He's not going to complain. The rich young guy or the rich people are going to complain. What are you doing? 
Don't force me to do that. <laughs> Keep reading. Again, I told you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? If you keep the commandments, if you, you have to leave everything behind, what's wrong? Who then can be saved? And they were astonished. And another word for that is like they were confused. Like, what's going on here? What's going on? What are you, I mean, this man, he did everything he has to do to be saved. And you say he has to just sell this and follow me. He's not doing it. Now who can be saved? That's not a easy thing. Seems like it. Brother. Don't get confused. Do not get confused. The Bible also said that after they were thinking like that, they were greatly astonished and confused and asked who then can be saved. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Do you think God is going to suddenly just change everything just like that? Do you think God has the power to suddenly come to Jim? Jim, I know you cannot worship me the way it's supposed to be, so I'm going to just do, boom, this thing for you. And then suddenly, Jim is here sitting, and then suddenly, ah, this thing happened, and you see like, tum, tum, like, wow, something happened, that suddenly he, now he can worship. Did that happen like that? First of all, there is something that we need to understand. Even that God is almighty, all-powerful, he is God. He allowed you and me to make a decision on your own. When he allowed you and me to make a decision on your own, making that decision means maybe you say, you know what, God, I don't want to know anything about you. You know what God does? He becomes to be powerless because he cannot change your heart that's the part that we don't understand there is something before God can do something and that's you for you to decide and here when I read this thing you know when Jesus said look uh, verse 26 Jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but with God all things are possible yes you want to stop and say you know I can do it I don't need your help I know I can do it that's the way many Christians see things I can do it I know it's possible we keep referring, I mean, referring as God as he is helping me to do it. But it's not that. It's not about God helping you to do it. It's about God living in your heart and you are doing it. And that makes the huge difference. You see, if I go here to my sister and I said, you know what? Can you eat chile? Really jalapeño? Like, just like that? She's like, no, I cannot do it. Oh, come on, you can do it. No, you know. And then I give you the chile, the jalapeno. And she's like, okay, let me try it. She's sweating before even try it. You know, she's like. 
that that means she can do it? After that, maybe she doesn't even want to try it anymore. Because she ends up <laughs> someplace else. With a stomach, I mean like, <laughs> but. It's not those things that you think you can do. God's relationship with you is what is going to help you move on in life and keep those commandments. But none of them are going to happen if you keep trying everything for yourself. You try and you try and you try. You are putting, you are putting yourself in a place that you can fail. And not only you can fail, you are going to be deceived with yourself. You are going to feel bad with yourself. And you are going to think God is not there helping you anymore. Because we forgot the main part, the relationship. Verse number 26. Oh, I read that one already. 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. And that's an exclamation, so I'm not even reading it right. He's trying to make a point in front of Jesus. What then will there be for us? You see, the idea is always that I give something, I need to get something back. That's the idea. I need to do something in order to get eternal life. That's get, getting something back. I'm leaving everything behind, said Peter. So what is there for us? Must be something there for us, right? 28, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glory or glorious throne, you, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Is this talking about, I mean, is he talking, as you and me know, about that present time back then for the disciples? They were thinking that. But he was not talking about that. He's talking about what is coming. There is the same hope that you have. And then I keep reading. Uh, and, verse 29, And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake. Fields meaning properties, the things that you have, the things that you own. Everything for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. He's talking about the future coming. When you live, when you get the point of putting all of these things as in a second, third, fourth place, whatever you want, and you put the relationship that you need to have with God first. All of these things are going to be easy to leave behind. Really. How much are you willing to do things for the person you love? You know, I see couples here, Ned, what are you willing to do for Suzanne? Anything she needs. Anything. What are you willing to do, uh, Wally, for Donna? Why? Because I love her. 
when you love that person, when you have a relationship with that person, when you know that person, you are going to leave everything behind. But that's not for you to work really hard. If he starts trying to, to, to just do things on his own, no, it's something else that is moving him. And it's something else that is going to be moving you as Christian. That's God's, God's love, God's relationship. God is going to be moving you. And then nothing becomes to be impossible. Because God is there. But you know what happened? But you know what happened? Verse number 30. But, says the Bible, but many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. But, if you miss that point, and you try to get points to try to get to heaven, I want to be first. Okay, so who is the first one here to do something? Oh, I was... Who came to church first? I was the first one. I didn't saw you here, Pastor, by the way. I didn't. We always want to be somehow the first one. Whoever wants to be the first, and you are going to do whatever is possible to be the first. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, oh, I want to be the first. I am the first in my class. I am the first at work. I am the first everywhere I go. I am the first one. I'm willing to do anything to be the first one. For those who are first one, according to them, they are going to be the last. But for all of those who are the last, because they try, they couldn't make it. Because they try and they fail. Because they probably miss some part of those rules that you need to do. And they miss probably out of the 10, they miss 5, 6. Out of the 20, they miss 10. Out of the 30, they miss 20. They are the last one. Those are going to be the first ones because they are trying. And they only have one hope. And the only one hope is God. And the only one hope is Jesus Christ. Those are going to be the first ones. Are you there? Am I there? How many times do you think I fail? If I ask you, how many times, how, how many of you guys think I am the perfect pastor? Raise your hand. Many of you. <laughs> yeah. I fail many times. Are you perfect? How many of you guys think you are the perfect Christians? We fail. But you know what? We keep trying. And trying and never give up is what is going to take us. To have eternal life. Because when everybody else thinks you are doing bad. When everybody else thinks you are doing horrible. You are not doing well. There is only one who is watching you all the time. And at the end by his grace. By his love. He's going to reach just like somebody mentioned. Peter. When you are being you know drowned right there. He's going to extend his hand and he's going to reach you. Are you missing all of that? Do you miss that point in your life? That's God. 
Don't get confused. That's God. When we create more rules than we think is going to help you, many times those rules are the ones who are going to keep you away from God. That's God. That's his love. That's how the commandments should be working in your life. God, here. And from here, everything else is going to happen. Next week, we are going to be talking about something a little bit different. But that's it. No more commandments right now. This was the last one. It was like probably five or six sermons just talking about that. No more of that, okay? I did enough. I hope you get it. God is good. And he's sending Jesus Christ for you and me. And he's coming anytime. Anytime. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for everything you have done for us. More than that, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Knowing that we are not going to make it in many ways. And we need a bridge. We need somebody to extend their hand, the hand, and save us and help us. Because many times we are the last ones. Help us to accept that help. Help us to see the main point. The, the background, the history, the whole thing. Help us to see you, O oh Lord, in our lives. Forgive all of our sins. All of this we want to ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.